everybody. My name is Axel Villamil. We're back here on 24 Shades of Blue. I'm here with Zachary Firth. He is Detective Constable at Toronto Police Sex Crimes and Child Exploitation Section. Zach, how are you doing? Good, Axel. How about you? I'm doing great. Um, you know, I am sad to hear that we're doing this digitally. We had a great phone call. I want to do this in person. You also look super, super amazing in your suit. Um, but you know, it's it's the pandemic. It's uh, we're we're back in it again. I hope you're 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 staying safe and and yeah. But actually, you know, on the topic of pandemic, Zach, I, I wanted to ask you. You know, you are part of the sex crimes and child exploitation section. Did you notice, you know, any any trends or levels changing because we're we're back at home? Kids are back on virtual um, virtual classes. Like, have you seen anything? In, in regards to that of back being in lockdown? I mean, it's uh, it's hard right now because everybody's at home, including all the kids that would normally have their days in school and different types of supervision, um, different access to electronics with everything being virtual right now too. So um, we, we definitely have seen a rise in occurrences, um, things for us to look into. But there, again, it's just, I think the like, like you know it's the change in technology and the access right now i feel bad for these you know for the kids especially you know the ones in high school and in elementary are just not getting that social interaction that you know they probably need um and i just feel so bad man I, i'm here and i'm like i lived my life having such a good time in, in those years but you're back on uh you're back on the internet but i feel like that's scary i feel like you know, we were having a conversation internally with the team and we we're all just going, I feel like we would crave more social interaction. So we're on different places in different rooms and maybe chat rooms or other, um, you know, other places on the internet to gain that type of digital social interaction. Do you, do you think that that's the case for a lot of the kids? Just want to know your opinion. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, like you said, it's uh, the, the kids need that kind of social interaction. And um, when that's taken away from the daily routine of being in school and being with your peers and your friends, um, kids are looking for that type of interaction somewhere. Um, and the most accessible right now is online. Um, and you know, through the schools, we're learning about different platforms that um, kids are using for the for school. Um, but they're also venturing into other platforms that are going to be a bit more dangerous for them and are um, frequented by more people that could be harmful to them as opposed to actual peers. Um, a lot of these types of interactions are, you know, relationships that are built online um, without ever actually knowing somebody in person or meeting somebody in person. And um, it might not be the person you think it is that you're talking to on the other side of the screen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I used to do that way back. I don't know if you remember this, like have a hotel days, um, just making relationships on there and, you know, people steal all my furniture. Um, but, you know, I kind of want to switch roles here, which are, what are the main messages you'd want to get across to parents um, on how to take preventative measures or how to communicate with their kids about this? Like if this was broadcasted everywhere, what is that main message you want to say? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. Like the, the main thing is communication. Um, you know, we can't be watching our children 24 hours a day. Uh, it's just not going to happen. Um, 
try as we might, sometimes the best measures we put in place to supervise and regulate access to electronics or the internet uh, might fall short sometimes. And that's not um, not always a, a slight to parents that are in that situation. It's, it's going to happen sometimes. So keeping communication open, making sure that if a child runs into something bad online or a bad person or a bad situation, that they can feel comfortable enough to uh, come forward to their parents and let them know before it escalates. Uh, a lot of times when we get involved, it's um, at a point where things have escalated so um, so much to such a, a bad position for the kids that are involved that um, they're left in a position where they have no other choice. Whereas it's better, obviously, if they have that sense of, of trust and communication with their parents where they can go to their parents and say, hey, this guy said this to me online and I'm not comfortable with it. Um, as opposed to uh, days or weeks or months later, um, coming forward saying over the last year, these are all the things that this person made me do online. Absolutely. I think that you don't realize that as a kid as well. I remember, again, I was in IMVU way back when too. And, you know, I would be talking to people about anything, right? But again, why does it feel more personal? It's because, I mean, maybe there's an avatar connected to it. Um, you know, it's easy to get along, especially if you don't have the ability to go out just like in these these difficult times. Um, and it was, you know, nobody really taught me, but I, I used my common sense. And thankfully, I was okay from what I knew. And I'm sure there was times that I've been in that situation. But um, if I could travel back and tell myself something, um, or if, you know, you could travel back and tell young Axel <laughs> how to be safe online, like what would you what would you tell kids right now? The one takeaway that I usually say when I'm um, talking to younger people, whether it's teenagers or, or young, young people, is if you're on some of these social media platforms, because I mean, let's be realistic, if I go and tell a 16 year old, you know, don't have an Instagram account, because that might be unsafe for you. Um, they'll nod and smile and say, yes, of course. And then it won't change because like that's, that's the nature of the beast. It's so, not happening. <laughs> exactly. So, um, I think it uh, it comes down to saying, you know, if you have this account, um, you should probably know who all those people are on your list. Um, you should, they should be people that you've met in person that, you know, in person. Um, and it's, it's difficult. Like, I mean, like, with the pandemic, that's a whole other issue. But in general, um, you know, a lot of people are a lot more comfortable talking to people with that little extra degree of anonymity where, um, you know, we're friends on Instagram or on uh, TikTok or wherever. And, you know, he or she doesn't know who I am in person at this point. So I can be more honest with them than I can be with anybody else. And I think... Well, I know that predators do exploit that and they're going to use that avenue to uh, be able to get to the end goal, whatever it may be for that person. Um, so it's really important that you do actually know the people that are on your on your list and that you communicate with. Um, and if things start feeling off or not quite right or uncomfortable, um, it's time to shut down communication. And if it gets to a point where it's uncomfortable um, to a, a really, really high degree, um, you know, tell somebody about it. But if before it gets to anywhere where they're talking about, um, you know, exchanging pictures or meeting in person or that type of thing, um, start blocking people, start deleting them, stop communication. 
Um, if people are on the internet, um, they can't come and control you in person. And there's a really important understanding that, um, despite the manipulation, despite the psychological games that are being played and how somebody might make you feel online, um, you don't have to give into something that you're pressured to do. It's no different than in person. Um, you don't have to do anything that you're not comfortable doing um, and that you're not okay with doing. And it's that much riskier when you don't know who the person is on the other side of that computer screen. Absolutely. And I, I think this next question is actually for everybody because I think as the internet changes and and all these platforms evolve, it kind of goes back to square one, even as adults, you know, going in the metaverse and, and, and doing other things that are just opening up. Um, I, I would love your thoughts and your opinion on how to tell what a fake account looks like. Let's maybe it's an Instagram account. What what's a sure sign there that we can educate the public here? Oh, sure signs. I would probably say no picture avatar whatsoever. Probably no friends or no followers. Um, maybe hasn't been around very long. So if it's one of the apps where it tracks how long you've been on it, um, if somebody's been on there for one day, which is the same day you started talking to them on an Instagram account, which is the same day you talk to them on a Snapchat account and they're all created the same day, probably not a real person um, or at least probably not the kind of person you want to be talking to. Um, the same thing, like if things are really aggressive off the top, off the start, asking for photos, asking for um, certain types of conversation, sexualized conversation, um, those those are probably really quick signs to say cut communication before anything goes further. Just experience catching those fake accounts every day. I know what those look like every day. Um, and I mean, they're annoying. They're annoying and we can see them. I even, you know, trying to educate um, my parents on what those look like too, right? It's it's not just the kids, it's the parents too, because, you know, it's a lot of scamming can happen through there as well. Um, but for for what you do, can we talk about those other partnerships that you have Um outside of TPS that you work with? For example, I believe you mentioned C3P. Yep. So C3P is an amazing organization. It's the Canadian Center for Child Protection. And they are amazing to work with. They have uh, started a lot of really great things for um, the safety of kids across the country. Um, they are based in Canada out of uh, Winnipeg. And they're... They, they do a lot of things, but the one thing that I plug all the time in the, uh, and I bring this up in most of my cases where it involves um, generally teenagers where there might be uh, photos exchanged or videos exchanged. Um, they've developed a program, uh, it's called Project Arachnid. And what that does is if we have the pictures or the images that are sexually explicit of kids, we can provide... Um, the identifiers of those um, files and it goes out and it crawls across the internet and if it comes across them anywhere it'll send out um, uh, basically cease and desist letters where they'll take down uh, in most cases they'll take down the material once they know that it is child pornography uh, and so that in itself is an amazing thing and the uh, when we talk to kids like a lot of times if we have this type of thing and they're not really wanting to um, 
talk about it because it, it can be kids can feel like they're um, in an embarrassing situation or they'll be ashamed of what's happened or they just want it to go away. Um, and we're not here to judge what's happened and what's gone on. We're in this unit for a reason and this is part of it. And, um, you know, when you're in those types of situations, there's one person to blame and it's not the one that's sending the pictures that are being requested. Um, or, you know, I use the term requested, but usually pretty forcefully coursed. Um, and that's the person that's responsible for it. So when people, uh, kids want this stuff to just go away and not be involved in the system and not talk to police and just, you know, realistically go and hide their head and, and, and just wait for it to blow over. Stuff like Project Arachnid, I bring up in every one of those cases because the the feeling of knowing that your pictures could be out on the internet um, is the one that a lot of people struggle with. And, um, you know, we can prosecute people every day all over the world, um, but that doesn't change whether or not somebody's pictures are out on the internet. So if we can get involved quickly and C3P can get involved quickly with Project Arachnid, um, we do have a little bit of a chance of trying to put a bit of a net over some of these things before they might go a bit further. And that might be because of uh, anything along the lines of some of these incidents where images or videos spread across uh, a school, for example, um, and that type of thing where we know the platform that's being um shared with so it can really help quell that before it gets out and turns into a much worse situation at least in the eyes of the victims yeah absolutely i mean just thinking from a high level point of view of project arachnid i mean that sounds like such a powerful tool that i'm glad we have on the good side you know of things um because like you said it, it it's at least somewhat of a net to, to make sure things go further. Um, and you're right, it is the peace of mind. Let's think about it for real. Like our social media is just a reflection of our, it's just this this reflection of ourselves online, right? It's, it's a clone, it's a curated section, but we put our time and our care into it, especially, you know, those that are more involved. So I can only imagine, you know, what a victim feels like um, when they are, you know, trying to speak to you. It must be uncomfortable, but like you said, again, it's just your job. We're here to just figure out the problem and, and figure out the person. It's not their fault. Um, and I'm just like blown by how powerful Project Arachnid must be just scraping, scraping, scraping. So uh, I'm glad, you know, C3P has that and, and you get to use it. Um, I'd also like to talk about Boost as well. You mentioned that before too. You know, the list is, is never ending of uh, partnerships that we use in our, in our office, but uh, Boost is another fantastic one. Um, Personally, I can say I refer as many people there as I can who uh, might need some help with processing anything they might be involved in. So if we're talking about the same type of scenario, there's a lot of pieces to solving that problem. And we as the police, we're not the be-all and end-all solution to these things. So... If things are reported to us, if there's criminal offenses, yes, we'll investigate them. Yes, we'll um, talk to people and we'll interview people and we'll give safety tips and that type of thing. Uh, And we'll go out and and get the bad guy and and go through that process. But that only solves the problem of making somebody accountable in the eyes of the law. There's also the more important part of this, which is making sure that the victims are safe. Um, So... 
once we get to that point, um, Boost is fantastic at taking on that role. Um, there is a specific um, sub portion of Boost that deals specifically with uh, internet child exploitation type offenses and they are fantastic at getting referrals to victims um, to get them into counseling uh, to help with funding to help with internet safety planning to talk to parents about uh, uh, the internet and risks that are there and that type of thing they can help us out in terms of court preparation and be supports for some of these victims if it does get to a point of uh, court they'll um, come and sit in in trials um, whether it be with um, the victim witness workers as well or um, on their own depending on the circumstances uh, we use them constantly to try to make sure that the victims of these offenses are cared for and do feel like they're supported through this whole process um, ultimately this is about them and we need to make sure they know that and that they know that they're supported through this whole process, whatever it may be, um, even if it doesn't get to a point of criminal charges being laid, um, as long as we can get them in touch with somebody that's going to help them through whatever process they need to go through to move on in life, that's the important part. Um, so Boost plays a very, very significant role in that, and um, they're doing a, a wonderful job at it. That's amazing. I think it's it's so important to have that, I guess, support system after the fact. And, you know... Let's let's be real. As much as there's the horrible things that happen, um, that can happen over the internet, just the internet is a great place for people to uh, connect and, and communicate, just like we are right now during a pandemic. Um, and I, I think it's it's the reason why you know, like th- that you exist and your team exists, um, that we can feel safe um, on this platform, um, especially our children. So I would love to to ask you, and just for everybody listening too, is where can parents and children report any child exploitation that they may have either heard about or themselves experienced on the internet? The most direct way is to call the police in whatever area it is that you're you're living. Um, and we'll realistically, an officer is going to come and talk to you at your house and get a little bit of an idea. And then we'll follow up with you a little bit later on to get more detail. Um, if you're not quite comfortable with the police showing up at your house, um, which I totally get there's um a website um, cybertip.ca where people can go and report things um it ultimately filters down to us there might be some communication with the people at cybertip to get some more details um but they'll they'll send the information to law enforcement in whatever jurisdiction makes sense to send it um and then we'll look into it same same kind of process we'll look into it and we'll contact um whoever it is that we need to and that can be um you know, something that a child's experience themselves, they can report it, a concern of a parent, they can report it. If it's, you know, I heard this at school about my friend and I'm worried about her because I think this is happening. Um, And that can all go there and it'll end up with us. And, you know, I know a lot of people in this situation, they feel, feel lost and feel like there's nothing there, nobody there. And this will at least give them the opportunity to, um, voice what their concerns are because i know it's a lot of what should i do should i report something should i not and you know there's never a harm in submitting a report and it can go through cyber tip and that can be done online so you're not talking to somebody in person if that's a concern um 
and in in some cases there can be a degree of anonymity there um so i guess that leads to the next process there's always crime stoppers if that's um if you want to be 100 percent anonymous with it um that and that's those are probably the best ways to get information to us to start looking into things great answer zach and then and thanks for that info i think a lot of people need that um especially you know i, I feel it's hard for parents as we we think about this topic and, and talk about it because you don't want to be too you know don't use the internet or you know go at it have fun and you know you want to give that middle ground so i was just wondering how would how, what would you suggest or what advice do you have for parents um, for them to keep almost this safe environment slash comfortable environment for their children to be able to speak to them about this. Because I feel like that's, you know, the first um, line of defense right now. It's, just, it's the parents that they can actually talk to them and, and have that conversation. How do you think that balance can be achieved? I, I think it's a hard balance um, because there there is that need, and especially depending on ages, for a degree of privacy and for a degree of responsibility. Uh, and I think that's why all of these things need to start being talked about when kids are young. Um, and it doesn't have to be a um, you know a, a horrifying, terrifying type approach of you know everybody online is gonna come and try to sexually exploit you online or meet you and take you away or any of those kinds of things. Um, I mean, the reality is it it happens. Otherwise, my job wouldn't exist. Um, but the uh, the communication has to start young, and it has to be about being careful and taking steps. And it's the same kind of conversation that we would have had years ago, saying, you know, be careful around strangers. Um, there has to still be that middle ground because it can't be a don't talk to strangers because, you know, I'm a stranger, even if I'm in a uniform walking up to a kid, they've never met me before. I'm still a stranger. Um, and so there needs to be that middle ground. It's, um, you know, yeah, you go on websites A, B and C, but stay away from these ones or, you know, you have this certain amount of time in a day and, then devices come back to this area and anytime you're online, you're in the living room where, um, you know, where we are or you're, um, in a common area. One of the, the three main things that we generally tell parents, um, no phones in the bedroom, no phones in the bathroom. Um, and make sure that when the internet's being used or devices are being used, it's, uh, in a, in a common area doesn't mean you have to be standing over their shoulder the whole time while they're talking um or while they're watching youtube videos or whatever it might be but certainly close enough where if there's an issue you can intervene quickly enough you know depending on the age being alone with a device it is um probably one of the worst things just um it's easy to be manipulated at a younger age and a quick, uh, a quick trip into the bathroom with your phone can mean pictures that go out there that, you know, might not come back. So I think that's uh, very important to keep in mind. Absolutely. I feel like, you know, I, I can't be in the shoes of, of, you know, the younger generation as they experience the internet. You know, I was able to, you know, like a lot of us either see the, the actual transition transition into this, highly highly technological world and 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 communicating very aggressively on the internet for everything that you do so if that's all they know 
this those lines must be even blurred even harder so uh, you're right it's the it's it's seeing it there as a parent but also it's the communication the conversation if, if we can't talk about it in the first place or it hasn't been talked about then um you know then there's already an issue right there so um i just want to thank you zach for you know all the info and, and the time that you you've given us and uh if there's any final thoughts you want to send out there you know what i think the main thing is just uh, everybody do their best to stay safe while they're out there and if you are in a situation where you need help don't be shy to ask we're in a position where we don't judge people for what's happening we're here to help uh, as you know, as uncomfortable and as vulnerable as you might feel trying to come forward with some of this information, um, in the long run, it, it will make you feel better and we will do what we can to get you supports that you might need, even if that doesn't mean people being arrested or charges being laid. Thanks so much, Zach, for taking the time to speak with us today. Now we're going to go and speak with the Senior Support Services Manager at the Canadian Centre for Child Protection, Lindsay Lobb. Lindsay, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm great, Axel. Thanks so much for having me. Glad to have you. It's uh, it's awesome to you know talk more about this, especially with with the internet is this crazy, crazy thing. But also, it's an amazing thing. It's also a scary thing sometimes if you don't know about it. So I'm, I'm glad you know you're in your position and and helping educate not just uh, the children, but educating myself and you know all these young adults around the world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is a ever evolving space. And, uh, you know, that's why we're here. And I think this is great opportunity and great platform to get the message out. Absolutely. I mean, so Zach touched upon this uh, just a little bit. But could you tell us a little more about what the Canadian Center for Child Protection actually is and, you know, the work you do to keep kids safe online? Absolutely. So the Canadian Center for Child Protection is a national charity. Um, We are based here in Winnipeg, and we are dedicated to the personal safety of all children. So we uh, work from coast to coast um, and we have a number of different national programs that help support um, children who have been sexually exploited or abused online, um, as well as missing children. Um, Our most well-known program and pretty much the sort of the the program that we're talking about the most today would be cybertip.ca. So cybertip is the national reporting entity for online child sexual exploitation so we receive reports from the Canadian public. Um, we triage those reports to for anything illegal or potentially illegal to the appropriate policing services for follow-up. But as a part of that uh, system, we also have a whole side of our organization that provides direct support to families. And that's actually where I'm situated. So me and my team work directly with families to help them manage um, the aftermath of the discovery of online exploitation and what they can do next. I, I think a lot of people don't really understand that there's always an after a situation. You know, the, what, what is the, uh, the post feeling after going through something like that? And I'm sure it must be very difficult for those victims. Um, and on your end, you know, when you go through that and help those families, what do you get out of it? You know, for yourself, like, do you, how does it make you feel at the end of the day? Uh, you know, I think that's a that's a really good question. It's, um, you know, what we the best part about it is when we see families who are thriving. And I think that's the really important thing to remember for people is that we have families that are they do go through, you know, really, really difficult situations, whether it's a sextortion incident, or online exploitation or luring of some capacity. And, you know, these parents are, you know, they report to us or they report to the local police service. But then they're like, okay, now what? 
you know, how do I manage these immediate next steps? And when you see families through come through the other side and, you know, they're going to be, you know, five years down the road and this is totally in their rearview mirror. It's a really awesome feeling for that to just to see people be able to move on and not need us anymore. I feel like it's recovery because, you know, after going through something like that, you may be like, I'm never going to post a picture ever again or share this ever again. And, and it's such an amazing tool. And just like anything out in the world, th- there are negatives to it. But I think what you do is so great because moving on is the hardest part. No, it's it's always the hardest part for anything. Absolutely. And there's going to be impacts, right? There's, there's certainly going to be impacts. And we see a wide range of impacts on children, depending on the extent of the abuse and depending on a lot of other factors that are going on for that individual child. But there's hope. I think that's the most important thing for people to remember is that it's not the situations aren't hopeless and there are help. There are ways that we can help and there are steps that they can take. I love that hope. That's the biggest thing. And I think that's the hardest part after going through something traumatic like that is you don't think there's another, uh, I guess, uh, another part to go to that's going to be good. I always felt like it's been downhill from there. But if you're giving them hope, wow, that's really, really amazing to hear, Lindsay. In terms of, you know, what you see, and then let's talk about trends. Uh, trends is such a popular internet term now with, you know, it could be good trends, which is like dancing on TikTok or whatever. But now in terms of the bad trends on the internet, what what are those, you know, the most popular trends that kids are falling victim to, to these, you know, predators? Yeah, we are certainly seeing an increase in online sexual violence. Um, you know, we've been seeing this increase over the past five years, but certainly over the course of the pandemic, we have seen it uh, really spike, um, you know, because kids are on the internet more and they are more available for people. And that is really difficult um, in terms of helping them to manage being safe online when we have people that are specifically targeting them, knowing how vulnerable they are. And so, you know, we actually for Safer Internet Day, um, we released some stats in terms of some of the increases that we're seeing. And, you know, overall, we have seen um, a 37% increase in uh, reports related to uh, the online victimization of children. And when you start to break that down, we're seeing things like a 74% increase in sextortion. Um, And that's been a really big one that we've been managing um, over the last couple of years that affects not only children, but is also affecting young adults as well. Can you expand on sextortion? Yeah, for sure. So um, sextortion, like simply put, it is exactly what it sounds like. It's extortion for the purposes of sexual imagery. So what we're typically seeing is we're seeing young people, so youth and young adults, be targeted on popular social media apps. So this could be on Instagram, on Snapchat, it can be on dating apps. And we're seeing them being targeted for sexual imagery. And then as soon as that sexual imagery is shared, they're almost immediately getting threats for money. So they're saying, if you don't send me $500 or $200, then I'm going to distribute that image to the internet, to to your friend group, to your school. Um, And what's really really uh, petrifying for people is that these the tactics that these individuals are utilizing are becoming increasingly more aggressive. 
So they will, for example, use coercion tactics like screenshotting their friend list and saying, I have your friend list. I can send it to everybody you know. Um, or they'll send them a Google Maps of their where their house is and say, I know where you live. I can get to you. So, you know, and what we have here ultimately is in many cases is we have young people who are really no match for the adults that are targeting them and they're unable to figure out how to get themselves out of the situation. And most kids are not telling anybody. And that's the really, that's a really hard part and really devastating part to know is that so many kids are managing this on their own. Oh, yeah. Well, it's just like just thinking about it because I had the ability to be also in the library, but also Google is my library now, you know, at the same time. So we experience kind of both. And I think when it comes to looking at your device or your Instagram profile, Facebook, TikTok, whatever you want is a reflection of yourself. So it's actually so scary to vulnerably tell your parents that, you know, and I understand from from what a kid is going through a young adult, because sextortion is very real. You see it a lot in more in the media now in terms of um, actual TV shows that are talking about it. And, you know, there have been backlash and some people going, Oh, that's not a real thing. Like, Oh, it's absolutely a real thing. That's it's you know, absolutely a real thing. It's a confined in trust, right? You know, I'm sending maybe, you know, a picture of myself to an individual and now that's being used. And like you said, so it, it is, it's scary out there, but I, I think I want to start to move towards what can we do? What are some safety strategies that you can recommend for kids and parents to look out? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you touched on a really important point there is that, you know, one of the things we often say is these kids that we're, man that we're hearing from, they are experts at technology, but they are novices at relationships. And, you know, it's, that's kind of how, you know, we have somebody, some of these young people, these are their first experiences in terms of a relationship and to have somebody misuse your trust in that way is really shaking. It's, it's, it shakes them to their core and it's really difficult, but you know, there, you're right. There are steps that parents, um, parents can take and that youth can take, um, to sort of walk through, you know, how do you manage these situations or how do you potentially prevent these situations? So, you know, for parents, one of the biggest things we encourage is to have the conversations. And, you know, I know that sounds really arbitrary. It sounds like, okay, well, of course, I'm going to talk to my kid about this. Or, um, you know, isn't there something more of like an easy button, you know, like click, done. But ultimately, that's it comes down to helping ch kids to understand, you know, that there is no easy button. This is about relationships. And that is both online and offline. So I think that's one of the things for parents to understand as well is to that when we're talking about the sexual violence that youth are experiencing online, it's really no different than what could be happening offline. So, you know, we wouldn't, we would be horrified if somebody walked up to a 13 year old in the mall and, you know, throw, drop their pants. Um, but the same thing is happening to young people online. And so we need to, we need to equate them as the same thing because they really are. Um, so having, you know, being aware as parents that the risk has increased and, you know, that taking steps to educate yourself about what those risks are and what those pressures that youth, youth are facing because of how aggressive these individuals are becoming is really important. Um, and then having those regular conversations with young people and, you know, listening to them and staying sort of tuned in to what they're experiencing online and what they're facing online is very important. Um, 
The other thing too is staying really curious and engaged in terms of what they're doing on social media. Um, so you know what kind of pressures they're facing, what they're seeing online. Um, stay curious and stay connected, and then help your young person know to you know what would they do. So you can do what if scenarios. So you know if somebody approached you and said this, what would you think you would do? And you know we have actually some sheets. Um, that are available on our cybertip.ca website. So we have a page specifically created with some of these these pieces and this information. So it's cybertip.ca forward slash OSV for online sexual violence. And that'll bring you right to the new page and it'll give parents some really good ideas. We put about five different scenarios on there about... Um, uh, different situations that we've actually had reported into the tip line. So these are based on real things that have happened to people and they're a great way to start those conversations with youth. Um, and for young people, I think the most important thing for them to remember is that if something's going on for them to let somebody know that there is help, you can make a report if something's happening to you to cybertip.ca or you can come into our needhelpnow.ca website and there is there are people that can help walk you through those next steps. Amazing. I think that's that's the toughest thing is with all the young adults out there that are going through I can't imagine dating and doing that right now too just because that that must be especially during covid, you know, there's really so much especially with lockdown. So, okay, that's really great. Um everybody will put that in the description uh so you can all check out those websites. Now, let's talk about it. You've been already mentioning it. Safer Internet Day. Uh, it happened on the 8th. Can you tell us what, you know, events took place uh, and, and anything that you led as well? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, there's events going on in a number of different countries around the world. Um, it's something that we mark annually in terms of a really just a good reminder in terms of how we can keep kids safer online. And this is where we yesterday, we actually released um, a number of new statistics on the increases that we're seeing in online harms against children, um, and also released two new resources, one for young people and one for parents to help them manage some of these situations and hopefully help for pre to prevent some of these situations. Um, because we are seeing more and more young people very quickly identifying some of those red flag behaviors um, and being able to reach out and tell somebody or being able to just block the person and stop the contact, which is really, really critical um, if, so if you're identifying those red flag behaviors. Absolutely. I think one very lucky that there are people in those tech companies thinking of of features like that. Don't get me wrong, I love I love me the block button whenever I need to use it. But in terms of you know safety, like that's that's so huge. And I'm glad that this day exists because it clearly is working. Like you said, if 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 kids are already finding red flags and stuff like that, I think it's just pushing it forward more and more and more. Now, in terms of let's talk about school. Uh, I brought up with you that. I, you know, came from a computer science background and one of my favorite classes was ethics because we needed to learn how to act on the internet. Um, in, in this case, for kids, um, maybe in their elementary school, even high school, are they being taught this type of safety? That's a really good question. And so we do have a, a school-based program called Kids in the Know. So Kids in the Know is a primary prevention curriculum that's taught in schools from kindergarten all the way through to high school. And it does, it teaches children those sort of primary lessons of personal safety. 
So it really focuses on the areas of healthy personal boundaries, of healthy friendships and relationships, um, and building their their safety confidence to help them to identify red flags and know where to go to get help. Um, Ontario has been really, really supportive of this program over the years. Um, we've worked really closely with the Ontario Provincial Strategy for online child exploitation. So that is um, run by the Ontario government and it is facilitated by the Ontario Provincial Police who have uh, supported our ability to get that program into schools at no cost for the school boards over the past number of years. Um, and then recently, we've actually also uh, worked very closely with the Ontario College of Teachers to um, mandate uh, our Commit to Kids training for teachers across the province as well. So there's certainly the education is a increasing for um, for kids in schools, which is um, which is great because school is a safe place for children and it's the area that they learn so many of these lessons and also the spot where many of their safe adults exist. You know, being able to talk to a teacher or talk to a guidance counselor is really, really important. Absolutely. I, I'm glad that's being taught because I definitely didn't have that in my school. When did this... Um this actually all start because the reason why, you know, I asked this too, is like, there's things like, you know, the metaverse expanding and, and things like that. And that's a whole different, you know, ballpark of even, it's not just, I guess, the space itself being safe from a, a text and audio point of view, but it's more from a literally somebody is in my space and can come up to me. And even though, yes, it is digital, I'm still going to feel some type of way when they're invading my personal space. I think that's exact. That's a such a good point. And we actually, um, you know, it's it's ever evolving. Like that's that's one of the one of the big things about the internet and about you know now when you get into things like the metaverse, it is evolving so quickly. And it is not the internet has not been built as a space that prioritizes children's safety. Um, and I think that's something that we are really advocating for changing, um, you know, and really starting to um, call out industry and make it make industry very aware of the concerns that they should be taking into account when it comes to children utilizing their systems and their platforms. Um, just to go back to answer your question, I don't know the exact date um, that Kids in the Know launched, but we it's been in operation since the early 2000s. Um, and yeah, and again, many, many, many um, school boards across Ontario utilize it uh, within their schools. And any teachers out there that are interested in learning more about kids in the know, you can certainly come into our organization. We'd be happy to have those conversations. It's crazy because I was going, I, I bought an Oculus and one of the stats I saw was in Canada, I believe it might be even the US and Canada together, that it was the most purchased item over Christmas slash Boxing Day. And the amount of, you know, young adults and, and kids that are in there, it, it's quite, quite substantial. And one of the apps, there, there are some apps where your avatar has no space proximity. So somebody can just, you know, run up to you. But there are some that are, have thought about it, which is, you know, as you're saying, you're trying to reach out to those bigger tech giants to go, hey, you need to think about kids where there's a proximity, like they can't go up right to your face type of thing. So you, you have a space thing. So there is some, you know, innovation there. But I think, like you said, Everybody needs to be on board. Everybody needs to start thinking about how are children, um, you know, 
being thought of in these spaces. So yeah, and you know, when you look at that, it's interesting, because there are no matter what platform they're utilizing, no platform is foolproof. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, even when you look at games that are meant for children, um, you know, we have a lot of people that are utilizing or misusing those platforms to access children. And so it's not a matter of, you know, oh, this platform is safe or that pl- platform is more safe or less safe. It's all platforms have a risk. And it's about having the conversations about how those risks are potentially um, access or how those how those risks are potentially um, impacting your children. Exactly. Now, you know, just to wrap it up here, we, we really landed on a great word in the beginning of the of the show was the the idea of hope after the fact, you know, after somebody goes through such a traumatic experience, what are those programs that you could recommend that, you know, are going to give them that hope, you know, who may be struggling with their mental health, uh, whether, you know, you and your team are directly in contact with them, or they're just listening to the podcast right now, what are some things they could do? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if there are, if you need help, um, if something has happened to you, you can certainly come in at to cybertip.ca um, and learn more about how we can help you. You can also access our needhelpnow.ca website, which is a website that was specifically created for young people who have experienced this, share, this non-consensual sharing of an image. Um, so is a great resource. Um, in Ontario too, if you are a young person that has been sexually victimized online, um, there is counseling available to you at no cost. Um, it's facilitated through an organization called Boost in Toronto. And um, the Boost Child Advocacy Center is uh, very, it makes it very, very non-threatening and very simple to access um, funding for therapy or counseling if you've been sexually victimized online as a young person. Um, and you can go directly into them and self-refer. Um, and they are wonderful, wonderful organization to connect with. Um, and then from there, you know, it's it's difficult to say only because the way we approach our support to families is so unique. And so we always want to make sure that, you know, we're not brushing with broad strokes and that we're really listening to what families need from us and helping them to navigate the systems that are going to work for them. So, you know, if you need anything at all, I mean, we're here and uh, the door is always open for people. Definitely what I took away from this conversation is that there are people, there are places, there are resources to make sure that you can feel safe online or report something if you're feeling uncertain about a situation online. Zach, Lindsay, thank you so much for your time. And this is 24 Shades of Blue. We're out. (laughs) 